You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. Hello, Maddie Sophia, host of Shortwave. Hello, Rebecca Hersher, NPR climate reporter. Okay, I'm here to take you back one year. Honestly, that sounds great. Let's do it. So one year ago on this very show, you and I talked about the Paris Climate Agreement. So now it's official. Yep. The Trump administration has formally told the U.N., that the U.S. is pulling out of the Paris Climate Agreement. The State Department sent a letter to the United Nations, and the letter said, basically, we don't want to be part of this anymore. Now there's a one-year waiting period before that fully takes effect. So that was us last year, when the one-year waiting period began. Time to make totally sure that the U.S. really wanted to leave this big international climate change agreement. Yeah, one year ago. Now... The United States has formally withdrawn from the biggest international climate change agreement in history. And it's a big deal because the U.S. is the second largest emitter right now. And the U.S. has spouted more greenhouse gases than any other country if you add it all up over time. So today on the show, five things to know about the U.S. leaving the Paris Agreement. What it means for the planet, for the country, and what comes next. I'm Maddie Safaya, and you're listening to Shortwave from NPR. All right, so let's start with the basics here, because honestly, it has been a week. What is the first thing that folks need to know about the U.S. leaving this climate change agreement? So the number one thing to know is that the U.S. is the only country that has left. And that is Mm. a big deal because it's kind of unexpected. Why is it unexpected? Well, because the U.S. was super crucial for putting the agreement together in the first place. Like Mm. U.S. diplomats under the Obama administration worked really, really hard to get countries who rarely agree to agree. China, Saudi Arabia, Russia, Brazil, India, dozens of small island nations... The U.S., by all accounts, was the secret sauce that said, we are in, we are going to lead by example Mm -hmm. and promise to reduce our emissions and help other countries do the same. So a lot of people who follow climate diplomacy thought that the Paris Agreement would only work if the U.S. stayed in. Like, this is then-President Obama back in 2015, right after the Paris Agreement was signed. Today, the American people can be proud because this historic agreement is a tribute to American leadership. Over the past seven years, we've transformed the United States into the global leader in fighting climate change. It's kind of easy to forget that that's where we started, you know? Yeah, right. And, okay, I can see why you might worry that the U.S. pulling out of the agreement could lead to a lot of other countries to also leave. Yeah, exactly. So basically, the rest of the world, nearly 200 countries, they're still in. They're still Mm -hmm. meeting every year to talk about their plans, still working together to try to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So that's why the first thing people need to know is that the U.S. is the only country that has left. It's the only country that's even really talked about leaving in any serious way. Wow. Okay. So the U.S. is alone from a diplomatic point of view. Now let's talk science. I mean, does it matter from a climate science point of view that the U.S. isn't in this international agreement anymore? Like, is the U.S. releasing more greenhouse gases than it would be if it was still in the agreement? 
Yeah, I can see why you'd wonder about that. I wondered about that, too. I think international agreements can feel like just a lot of words, especially Mm -hmm. if you're used to working with hard data about how much carbon dioxide is in the atmosphere, right, or how hot the Earth is getting. So to answer your question, yes, the U.S. is releasing more greenhouse gases than it would be if it was still in the Paris Agreement. Hmm. Here's why. Every country in the Paris Agreement made a promise to do something about global warming, depending on how much it's contributing to climate change. So everything from reducing emissions, from burning coal, let's say, to preserving Mm -hmm. trees, to installing more wind turbines, right? Countries could choose what they wanted to promise. And the U.S. promise was to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide and methane and other greenhouse gases that the U.S. pumps into the atmosphere by about 25 percent by 2025. Reduce it by 25% compared to what? Man, you a stickler with the data all the time. Good question. (laughs) Compared to the amount that the U.S. released in 2005. Okay, so like pretty substantial. Yeah, it was a goal that the U.S. could have met with some relatively straightforward policies, like no longer burning coal, for example, or requiring all new cars and trucks to be a lot more efficient, or even phasing out gas and diesel vehicles altogether this decade Mm. and moving to more electricity from solar and wind, stuff like that. So things that are big enough that it really requires the federal government to be on board, but nothing too drastic. So obviously the year after the agreement was signed, President Trump was elected and announced that the U.S. was leaving the Paris Agreement. So what happened to that 25 percent goal? Right. So President Trump was elected in 2016, just days after the agreement went into effect, actually. And his administration immediately started rolling back a lot of those emissions regulations that we talked about, limits on emissions from cars and trucks and power plants. So now the U.S. appears to be on track for about a 17 percent reduction by 2025. And that's according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration models of U.S. emissions. Okay, so we're at 17 percent rather than 25 percent. So that means the U.S. is pumping a lot more carbon into the atmosphere than it would if it had met its Paris Agreement goal. Exactly. So that's the second thing to know. You know, leaving the Paris Agreement actually influences U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. Yikes. Okay, so what about global greenhouse gas emissions? Like, does the U.S. leaving Paris impact other countries' emissions in some kind of like weird way or something? Right. Good news on that one. The answer is mostly no. So for the most part, the rest of the world is still moving forward. It's still slowly trying to reduce emissions. And this goes back to the number one thing that people needed to know, right? That the U.S. is the only country that has pulled out of the Paris Agreement. There is a reason that's the number one thing on my list, and it's because the U.S. is increasingly alone in its approach to climate change. You know, Mm -hmm. five years ago, the U.S. helped bring China to the table to create the Paris Agreement, and China's promises were a lot weaker than the U.S.'s. China promised that its greenhouse gas emissions would peak by 2030. Okay, so that's like better than nothing, I guess, but it doesn't sound great. Like it means China intended to keep releasing more and more carbon dioxide for like 10 more years. Exactly. But get this. Now, China says it intends to peak earlier, meaning they'll start Mm. reducing emissions sooner. This fall, the Chinese government committed to get all the way to net zero carbon emissions by 2060. Oh, okay. So they're actually getting like more aggressive. Yeah. And Japan made a similar promise. The European Union did, too. So that's number three? 
the other countries are still trying to fix climate change, even though the U.S. is leaving the Paris Agreement. Yeah, well put. Thank you. Okay, so what's number four? Okay, so for number four, I'm pretty sure you can guess it. It has to do with the election. Okay, is it that if Biden is elected, that we will return to the Paris Agreement? Or at least we can, yeah. Biden has said if he's elected on day one, he will rejoin. And the way that would work is that his administration would tell the State Department to reach out to the part of the UN that handles climate change and let them know we want to be back in this thing. Then there's a 30-day waiting period. The UN loves waiting periods. And then (laughs) the U.S. would be back in. But here's the thing. That's when the real work would really start, because obviously, as we just talked about, the U.S. is not on track to meet its greenhouse gas promises under the Paris Agreement. It pledged money on top of that that it hasn't paid to poorer countries that need help coping with climate change. So there would be a lot to do if that's the way it went. Okay. All right. So finally, we have made it to number five. And honestly, I can't decide how I'm feeling right now. Like on one hand, you've laid out some really dark stuff. The earth is obviously heating up really fast. It's making people sick. It's destroying homes. It's killing people. And the U.S. isn't doing very much to address it. Yeah. Yes, yes, and yes. Okay. So I guess it could be worse, question mark, in this whole scenario. Like, Many other countries are doing things, even though the U.S. left the Paris Agreement. So that's like good. Yeah. So here's what we'll do for number five to kind of bridge that gap, because I think a lot of people, definitely for me, when I first started reporting on this a few years ago, it's hard to connect to what's happening in your town or your city to these big sweeping promises and trends. Like where does your electricity come from? What kind of fuel do the trucks that deliver your packages use? Are you talking about that kind of stuff? Yeah, exactly. So the fifth thing you need to know about the U.S. leaving the Paris Climate Agreement is that the U.S. government has officially left. But if you live in the U.S., there are still people representing you at international climate meetings. Fewer of them, for sure, and they have less Mm -hmm. power, but they exist. Okay, so how does that work? Because I thought, like, international climate negotiations were all about countries talking to each other, and the U.S. is, like, not in the club anymore. Yeah, but it actually goes beyond countries. Companies send delegates to these meetings. Cities and states and counties, they send people. CEOs and mayors and governors and regional leaders from all over the world, they show up to these meetings and they make little mini promises to each other. And they trade Mm. tips like, hey, our city used to be all about coal, but now we're investing in engineering and it's been really great for our economy. And maybe another city that still relies on coal is like, huh, that is an interesting idea. Maybe Mm -hmm. something like that would work for us. So if you live in a place or buy things from a company, they are still representing you in a way at these international talks. And if anything, the official U.S. departure from the Paris Agreement gives those interactions even more power, right? Mm -hmm. So watch that space. Okay. I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling good, not great, you know? Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, this is where I have to say as a climate reporter... The Earth is already two degrees Fahrenheit hotter than it used to be. We're barreling toward catastrophic warming in the next decade. And the goals set by the Paris Agreement right now, even if countries accomplish them, they aren't nearly aggressive enough to avoid that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I feel terrible again. So, you know, goal achieved. There's more bad news because obviously (laughs) now that the U.S. has left the Paris Agreement, it's officially abandoned the strongest commitments that the federal government ever made about climate change. But as you said, it definitely could have been worse. Maybe we can salvage a tiny bit of those good feelings that you had. (laughs) And there are a lot of people in a lot of places, even here in the U.S., 
who are still trying to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and avoid that overwhelmingly hot Earth. All right, Becky Hershaw, I guess I'll I'll take it. (laughs) I mean, you have no choice. (laughs) All right, Becky Hershaw, as always, it was a true joy. We appreciate you. Thanks so much. This episode was produced by Thomas Liu, edited by Giselle Grayson, and fact-checked by Ariella Zabidi. I'm Maddie Sofia. Thanks for listening to Shortwave from NPR.